absolutely. We're getting a lot of testimonies about people being encouraged in their faith. People are watching from all over the nation. Um, we've had Illinois, Florida, D.C., Maryland. Had somebody from Seattle watch the last one. California, yeah. um, Philadelphia, Texas, yeah, Canada. Georgia, Canada, Canada, no Canada. And so our goal is really just, you know, it's always been a part of our vision. What God gave us is to be able to impact people all over the world. And how wonderful that technology allows us to be able to do it from here, from even if, you know, without having to get on a plane, without having to leave our kids, we have the ability to minister to people and to teach them really what we know works because it's absolutely transformed our lives. And that's why we always start off by saying that we don't teach things um, that are just theory to us. We've literally seen God use the word to transform our lives, to use our faith to transform yes. our lives. That's right. And that's what we want to see have happen for the people of God. Because we, um, I was saying to Ellen yesterday, we know way too many people who deeply love Jesus but live raggedy lives. That's right. We know way too many people who deeply love Jesus but don't know how to use the word, don't know how to stand on the promises of God for healing, for marriage restoration, for their children when their relationships aren't good with their children, um, for relationship restoration with their parents. And we just know that the word works. It just, it works. It and it'll it'll it change does. your life. And and we want you to have your whole life change, um, not just because we want it changed, but it's the will of God for you. It is the will of God for you to be um, blessed and, and to live a good life. And God actually wants to make your life a testimony so that other people say, how's your life so good? How's your marriage so good? How's your finances so good? And you can go, wait, let me tell you everything I have learned about the Lord and his kingdom and living for him and all of this stuff. And then your life, the goodness in your life begins to be a testimony that draws people because scripture says that it's the goodness of God yes, it that draws, draws people to repentance. Yes. It's the goodness that draws a man to say um, that um, I need Jesus. It's the goodness that draws a woman to say, I want to surrender my life to God. It is not the rules and regulations. It's not you're going to go to hell. It is literally seeing the goodness of God. That is what brought Peter. You used that story last yeah. week. Mm -hmm. That is what brought Peter to a place of repentance when he cast that net and God filled, Jesus filled that net. And he had so many fish that he had to call somebody else in to help him. That is the thing that led Peter to be like, I will follow Jesus anywhere. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, it's 806, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to pray. Then Pastor Edwin is going to open us up. Yeah. Just want to encourage you. Don't forget, you know, if something stands out to you, make a comment because people go back and read those comments. We go they back do. and read those they comments do. to see what resonates with you, to see if there's a question, to see if there's something that we need to push in on deeper next time. Yeah. And so make a comment, give hearts, give likes. Um, and if you don't like the broadcast, you don't have to give hate. You can just leave. And so <laughs> <laughs> like you, you ain't got to hate it. You can just you find can something just, else to do on your Wednesday night. Right. Amen. That's right. And so um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. But tonight's topic is um, we're teaching on the five principles of living the faith-filled life. Yes. And we're going to do principle number three tonight. Yes. All right. Yes. So I'm going to pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for um, safe journeys as we traveled across the um, um, back and forth today. Yes. We thank you thank for you, good health, for sound minds. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus. 
Because of Jesus, we have been redeemed and restored and made righteous. And we have the right to come to you boldly and cry, Abba, Father. And we're so thankful for yes. Jesus. Yes. And Lord, then we're just thankful for Holy Spirit who teaches us and gives us insight and gives us your mind and lets us know how we should live our life. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for how you will minister to the people who are listening tonight and who will listen later and weeks, even years later to this live. Yes. And their life will be forever changed. And we thank you for this written word because you said that this word is for instruction and that it is for reproof. And it will divide the things in us and cause us to be just like you. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over the word that's going to go forth. We pray over the people that are listening. And we pray in advance for life transformation. Yes. Because we are not just hearers of the word but we are doers of the word and when we hear the word even if it's something that makes us uncomfortable when we recognize that it is your plan for our lives we will bring ourselves into agreement yes. in Jesus name amen 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 and amen I want you to do something for us as we get started go ahead and hashtag we win hashtag go ahead and win. hashtag we win as you know we have spent the last couple of weeks uh, going through the five principles of living the faith-filled life. Mm -hmm. uh, the first week, uh, we had to spend two weeks on that first part because it was it got so, so good to us. And it was so many scriptures. But that first one was that we said that if you're going to live a faith-filled life, that the first thing you had to do was be a person who loved the Word, a person who, who likes focusing on the Word of God. Uh, we spent a couple of weeks with that, and then last week uh, we tackled principle number two. And in tackling principle number two, one of the things that we said was that if you're going to live the faith-filled life, that you had to learn, you just had to learn not to be controlled by your emotions, that our five senses could not govern our life. And that if we allowed the five senses to govern our life, that we could never be a person who walks by faith. That the Bible tells us time and times again that we are to, to not go by what we see, not go by what we hear, but that we are supposed to be people who can live by faith. And so tonight we've made it finally, finally, Pastor we've made it to principle number three. Right. And principle number three, it says this, if we're going to live the faith-filled life, then we must measure, watch this, everything by the word of God. Mm -hmm. We must measure everything by the word of God. We're going to put for you um, in, 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 in the broadcast here, uh, those other two principles we'll follow up with next week. Uh, so you'll have all five. But tonight we want to focus on how do we measure everything we do by the word of God. You know, and I, I think that's a, a very powerful tool for us to learn. Mm -hmm. uh, as an illustration, uh, I, especially when I was talking through the lesson, I thought, how do, how do, I, how do we set the stage to get you to understand how important this is. Uh, and in doing so, I had an example. So here's an example that you can do right now, or you can do it in the next day or so if you're not able to. Uh, but if you, have, if you happen to have a piece of paper uh, and a pencil or a pen with you right now, here's something I'd like for you to do. Or in the next couple of days, I'd like for you to do this. Take that piece of paper. And what I'd like for you to do is at the very top of that piece of paper, I would like for you to draw a straight line from the very top to the very bottom. I just want you to take your pencil or take your pen at the top of that page and draw a straight line. I don't care who you are, when you finish doing that, you can take a look at that line and I guarantee you, no matter how steady your hand is, you are going to find 
probably some imperfections in that line. It may be fairly straight, but there will be some places where you ebb to the left or you ebb to the right. There will be a little curve or indentation. There will be something on that particular line that's not perfect. So then what I'd like for you to do is to get a ruler. And then beside that same line, I'd like for you to get a ruler and draw another straight line using your ruler. And when you get finished, what I'd like for you to do is to look at those two lines. And I want you to see the difference in what happens when you draw a line without a guide. Mm -hmm. And then you draw a line with a guide. Because I am convinced that we have a lot of Christians who are living in the kingdom of God. And they are living their life without a guide. They are doing things that make sense to them. They are doing what the world says makes sense. They're doing what they've seen someone else do. But we're talking about if we're going to live a faithful life, that we have to do things based on the Word of God. Absolutely. We have to measure everything by the Word of God. The fact of the matter is, in the kingdom, there can only be one king. Yes. There can only be one king in the kingdom. And in that kingdom, the king sets the standard. Mm -hmm. Well, in the kingdom of God, God has set the standard as his word. So if we're not living our lives according to the word of God, if we're just doing what makes sense to us, if we're just doing what other people have done, if we're doing what feels right, if we're just doing something because we saw somebody else do it, then we are just like that first line we drew. Although our best intentions may, to be, may be to be straight, it may be to do the thing the right way, there's going to be some ebb and flow in the things that we do. We're never going to be positively on point because we we have to do things based on a guide. And the word of God is our guide. So tonight, when we start talking about these scriptures, I want you to keep in mind, we are talking about measuring what we do based on the word. That's how you live a faith-filled life. Absolutely. And I think it's so important because in Matthew 6 and 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yes. And every kingdom has a way that it does things. And I think that that's particularly challenging for Americans because we live in a democracy. And in a democracy, we vote for what we that's want. Right. And in a democracy, we vote for this law. We vote for that law. And sadly, so many believers have brought their democracy thinking into the kingdom of Absolutely. God, which is a theocracy, meaning God is the king. God is the boss. And his way, there's a scripture in Proverbs that says there is a way that seemeth right seemeth unto man, right. but it ends in destruction. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge, I think, for a lot of believers is that, yes, we really love Jesus, but have we ever learned? to bring our thinking, our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect, and our imagination into alignment with God? And do we even know the difference between what we feel and what God says? That's right. Because the sad thing is that for many of us, we believe that because we think something, that God is cool with it. Right. Because we feel some way about something, that God is cool with yep. it. And a great practical example would be this, is that a lot of people believe that it should be legal to, to smoke marijuana. Right. And while some states have passed that, the federal law has not has not said that it is okay to smoke.
smoke marijuana. That's right. And so you can smoke marijuana as an act of your free will, but that doesn't mean that there won't be consequences That's for right. it. That's so right. yes, God loves you, and he's not going to take your free yes. will from it. You, you can do whatever it is that you want to do. But there are consequences, not even because God is doing anything to you, but because in your disobedience, you put yourself on a path. Because that's why Deuteronomy says you got to choose um, day, um, life or death. And then if you don't know which one to choose, choose life. And so when we're challenging people to live by the word, we're challenging you to choose life. That's right. Amen. We're challenging you to choose life. And the way you choose life is by measuring what you do based on the word of God. And so tonight we want to begin. Remember, we said we've got these two scriptures and that we've been kind of hanging our hat on uh, as we talk about living the faith field life. And so right now, uh, we want to go to our first scripture, which is Acts chapter uh, 20, verse 32. Acts chapter 20, mm -hmm. verse 32. Now, we at Fellowship of Champions, we, we get excited about this particular scripture. Yes. Um, and we've been reading it uh, probably since the second uh, Sunday in January. Uh, and we have literally hung our hat on this particular scripture. Tonight I want to read it to you from the King James Version and then I want to read it out of the Amplified because I really want to try to pull something else out of this because remember we're talking about living our life mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and some of you are, have, have been, uh, you, you've been experienced with construction. Uh, there's a thing called a level uh, and in construction, they use a level to make sure that if they're building a wall, that that wall is not going to tilt or flow. There's also something they use called a plumb line. And a plumb line basically lets you know whether a wall is, is, is vertically straight or not. Well, what we want to do is to use the word of God to make sure our lives is plumb and level. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that our lives are plumb and level with the word of God because we understand that when we are in faith, all things are possible to yes. us. Amen. So Acts chapter 20, verse 32 says this. It says, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. We like that at Fellowship of Champions. Yes. I hope you like it too. We said that we love the word of God because the word of God has the ability to, to build, build us up. Mm -hmm. Amen. Now in the Amplified, here's what it says. It says, and now brethren, I commit you to God. He says, I deposit you in his charge, entrusting you to his protection and care. He says, and I commend you to the word of his grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of his unmerited favor. For his word is able to build you up and give you your rightful inheritance. Now notice that he says not just an inheritance, but your rightful inheritance. An inheritance that belongs to you, not because you had to work for it, but because he said it belongs to you. He says he's able to do that among all God set apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and I love this last part, transformed of soul, transformed of soul. We talk about living a transformed life. Uh, all of you that are out there that are born again, you know that at some point you have been transformed. The Bible says you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness mm -hmm. and into the kingdom of his dear son. When we talk about being transformed of the soul, we're talking about having your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect all change from what used to make sense based on worldly knowledge 
to now we live our life and we govern our life by what God's word says. Sometimes there are things in the word of God that doesn't make sense to those who don't know God. Mm -hmm. In fact, he says he uses uh, things in the word to confound those who think they're wise. And so when we begin to talk about measuring our life with the word of God, let's make sure we don't forget that the word of God not only builds us up, but it builds us up by transforming our thinking. We say all the time, if you change your thinking, you'll change your life. You'll change your life. Absolutely. And so with that being said, you know where we're going to go. We're going to go to Romans 12 and 2 because Romans 12 and 2 is just such a, it's such a foundational scripture for the believer. Yes. And in the King James, I'm going to read out of King James and then I'm going to read it out of Amplified. And in the King James, what it says is, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, yes. so that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So what it says is here, it says, God has a good will for all of us. Yes, he does. He has a good will for all of us. Mm -hmm. He has good plans, destinies. One of the confessions we make with our kids daily is that God has a good plan for us. But if we don't transform our thinking, we will literally fight against what God is trying to do in our life. We don't even mean to fight, but because our thinking is so contrary to his thinking, we will fight against what it is that he's trying to do in our life. So let's look at it in the Amplified. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after or adapted to its external superficial customs but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal mm -hmm. of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitudes, so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. But let's go back. It says, don't be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted after is external superficial customs. So it says that you live in a world, for example, that's a democracy. And in this world, you get to vote who your leaders are. And in this world, you get to decide what you want the laws to be. And he says, that's fine that you live in a society that's like that, but don't allow that thinking to try to infiltrate the kingdom to now try to get a vote on what God wants mm -hmm. to do. To now try to get to decide, well, we don't think it's right for God to do it this way. We don't think it's right. You see that a lot in the area of giving. That people try, because, because people don't have a mind of God and they don't understand. Number one, people aren't abundance-minded. Because you only get abundance-minded mm -hmm. from knowing the source of abundance, which is God. Yep. So because people aren't abundance-minded, they go, I know that God wouldn't tell a poor person to give. Well, yeah, he would. Yep. Because he, he knows that yep. you can use your giving to set up your future. That's right. But if you don't have a mind of Christ, even if you're a believer, then you don't understand that. And then you're literally praying for increase and then fighting against the thing that God is trying to do Absolutely. in your life to get, in, in, um, to get increase. And so he says... But be transformed by the renewing, the entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and new attitudes. And I really like this scripture because it says, 
if you get in this word, God is going to give you some new ideals yes. and some new attitudes. Yes. He's going to teach you that maybe everything your mom and daddy taught you wasn't bomb. Because everything we learned when we were younger is not necessarily correct. It's not necessarily correct. How many of you know that there are some things that your parents taught you that weren't nearly uh, weren't correct? Mm -hmm. There are things that people say are in the Bible that aren't in the Bible. That's right. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. Right. And so, um, and so the Bible. So what God wants to do is He wants us to get in this Word, so that in this Word our minds can be begin to be renewed, and we can go, oh, this is what God says about giving. Oh, God is is asking us to give not because He's trying to take something mm -hmm. from us, but because He's trying to give something to us. Oh, this is why God is asking us not to fornicate, not because God doesn't think that sex is good and God doesn't think that sex is pleasurable, but He knows what it's like after you've given your body to somebody. And then they walk away and leave you and then you feel rejected and abandoned and left. He's trying to get you to avoid that. And so then what people do when they have an unrenewed mind, then what they do, babe, is they go, well, so-and-so, they were virgins till they got married and it didn't work out for them. Right. As though because it didn't work out for somebody, that negates what God said. Just because somebody's marriage didn't work out or somebody didn't see healing manifest in the earth or somebody didn't get the promotion, it doesn't mean that God didn't mean what he said. Absolutely. And so he says, so be transformed by the renewing of your mind yes. so that you can embrace these new ideals. Mm -hmm. You know that as humans, we don't like change. No, no. We don't, we like, don't change. like change. They wrote a whole book about it called Who Moved My Cheese? Right. We do not like change. Change. People do not like change. And so when we start to get teaching that begins to challenge us, we can push back. We can reject it. We can put our walls up. Instead of saying, Holy instead of saying, Holy Spirit, are you trying to teach me this? Yes. Is this something I need to understand? Listen, if you're a person who's used to going off on people, anybody out there used to going off on people? And then the Lord starts saying to you, be angry, but sin not. Mm-hmm. Forgive quickly. Don't hold a grudge. Yeah. Everything in you that's been taught to hold a grudge, to go off, to wig out, is now being challenged. And now you've got to decide, are you going to embrace what God is telling you? Well, you know what? I can't be looking like no punk. I can't be letting people talk crazy to me. Or am I going to do what God is saying to me, which is that I am going to learn how to obey God. And I am going to learn how to be angry and not to get in sin. Yes. I am going to learn how to forgive people even when they shouldn't be forgiven. I'm going to learn not to grow, hold a grudge, not to bring up people's past. That's an example of God wanting to transform our thinking. Yes. Amen. Amen. And he says, if you don't do that, then there's this place down here, he says, where God wants to demonstrate his good, perfect, and acceptable will in your life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. God wants to be good to you. So you think, let's just stick with anger for a second. So you think you're protecting you by being angry and cursing people out and going off on people and wigging off and defending yourself. And then what you realize is that you're also getting migraines that you don't need to have. Yep. Your blood pressure's going up. Your stomach's in knots. You're cutting off your life. And you're building a bad reputation as a person who doesn't have self-control. Yep. And so the promotion that God 
God was trying to put you in position for, you aren't qualifying yourself for it because every time your boss wants to promote you, you let a co-worker or a customer get you all worked out and then you show that display of anger. Absolutely. So you're missing out on this good and perfect will that God has for you because you haven't understood that not only do you need to get saved, give your life to Jesus and be on your way to heaven, you need to learn to live like heaven on earth. Right. And that is very contrary to how most of us have been taught to live. It is, but that's why this particular principle that we're teaching tonight is so important mm -hmm. because this principle says if you're going to live the faith-filled life, then you have to learn to measure everything you do by the Word. Amen. But how do I measure what I do based on the Word if I don't know the Word? Well, that's why we started this whole entire series about what? You have to love the Word. You have to, you love, have the to love the Word. The Bible is very clear. It tells us uh, in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 5 and 6, it talks about why, that, why it's important to transform our thinking. You heard Pastor Sean just reading Romans 12 and 2 when it says, Be not conformed to this world. You know, don't be fashioned after these external superficial customs. Uh, there's another scripture that kind of says it like this. It says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, he says, you got to learn to think like God. you got to learn to evaluate things based on how God evaluates things. When Pastor Sean and I, uh, years ago, was making a decision that we really, really wanted to have God as our standard, we started saying, I only love what God loves. Mm -hmm. I hate what God hates. If God loves it, I love it. Even if I don't love it, I'm going to learn to love it because God is the standard. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 it tells us, it says that in order for us to be able to measure everything we do based on the word of God, we have to understand who we are and what we're fighting. Here's what it says. Hold on just a second before you say that. For those of you who may be tuning in and you don't have a Bible, you can pull up an app, blueletterbible.org, so you can actually see the scriptures for yourself. Or when he says the name of the scripture or I say the name of the scripture, just pull up another browser and open it up for yourself. Because don't let us just be the ones to tell you because then that's not any different than what you were already doing. Read along with us so that you can grow in the word for yourself. Sorry about that. Babe. No, you're good. Uh, what she said is so true. We tell people all the time, you should not just believe what somebody says, mm -hmm. even if that's us. You ought to be watching and listening and praying and studying so that that way you can come into agreement. Here's what we're convinced of. The word of God is strong enough to stand by itself. So we, you, we, we, we encourage you to read and to study the word. And so one of the things we were talking about was this idea of transforming your thinking yes. or changing how you think. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it says, For they that are after the flesh, they do mind the things of the flesh. Now, what does that mean? Because that's, that's, that's really King Jamesy, right? Here's what it says. It says, Those who pay attention to things of the natural, they become doers of things of the natural. That's good. He says, but they that are after the spirit or they who pay attention to listen and adhere to the spiritual things, then they become people who are after the spirit or they become people who do the things of the spirit. So it's, it's, it's impossible for, for, for instance, it would be impossible for me to sit down with an engineer, a, a mechanical engineer, and to try to understand the language that that mechanical engineer is using because that's not my experience. 
So it's, it's hard for you to judge the word of God if you don't spend time with the word of God getting that experience. Absolutely. You know, the, the, Bible, the Bible is very clear that, that God speaks uh, through his word. Uh, we, we, we call that logos. So you, when, when you hear God speak because you read his word, like for instance, the Bible says that we're supposed to love our neighbor, right? So when I have opportunities not to love and something says, ah, oh, you're doing that wrong, you should love your neighbor, that may not be an audible voice coming from God. That may be because I read his word and his word says to love. But there are other times that God speaks directly to humankind, and that's called rhema word. God begins to speak to you. He says something specific for you, and we have to be careful not to make Rhema word applicable to everybody. Right. For instance, Rhema word may say, I need you to get up and pray at 6 a.m. Well, you don't get to now get mad at all your friends because they don't get up at 6 o'clock and pray. Right. That's that's for you. That's Rhema word for you. Logos word, though, helps you to develop your hearing. So I tell people I like all the time, if you if you say, Well, I don't I can't hear God speak, or I don't know if God's talking to me, I say, Look, spend time reading his word. Read the Proverbs. Read read Romans. Romans is a story. Read read Philippians. Read what he wrote to the church at Philippi. Read what he wrote to the church at Ephesus. Read what he wrote to the church at Corinth in the, in the first and second letters. That's just Paul speaking God's word to church people. And if you will listen and understand that, then you'll be able to begin to measure the things you're supposed to do based on the word of God. Amen. What you don't want to happen is you don't want to live a life where every time you're making a decision, you're trying to decide whether it's God or not. You need to know whether it's God or not. And the only way to be sure that you can measure that based on the word is to know what his word says. You've got to love the word. You've got to study the word. In that same uh, verse, Romans chapter 8, I read 5 and 6 for you. I want to read something out of Romans 8, but I want to read that first verse. Here's what he says. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So that's the great thing about walking after the Spirit. Because when you walk after the Spirit and you do what the Spirit tells you to do, then you don't have to be condemned because there's no condemnation there. Yeah. You only get condemned when the Lord tells you to do something and then you go after, you do what the flesh told you to do. And how do we know that the flesh is going to always tell us to do something different than what the Spirit tells us? We just read in Romans 8, 5, and 6. Because verse 6 says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Absolutely. I want to read that out of the Amplified. In verse 6, it says, Now the mind of the flesh, which is sense, reason, without the Holy Spirit. Now listen to that. Sense, it is sense and reason now, without the Holy Spirit. And what was our point last week? Our point last week was that we can't go by our five senses. We can't be controlled by those senses. Right. So it says, what is the flesh? The flesh is sense, reason, without the Holy Spirit. It's what you call common sense. Let's just be. Let's just break it down. It's what folk call common sense. They said, "Well, it, it ain't common sense that I would tithe. Why would I tithe if I don't already have enough money?" Because the Word of God says to. Amen. Just amen. But see, common sense is sense and reason without the Holy Ghost. So listen to this, because then it makes it clear the Holy Spirit is never asking you to put down sense and reason. That's right. He is asking us to put sense and reason. Under the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, sense, sense and reason. Holy Spirit, 
Sense and reason. A lot of you live like this. Sense and reason, Holy Spirit. Way down here. Holy Spirit. So I do what I feel like doing. Yes. I do yes. what I want to do. I do what I felt like doing. Yeah. I didn't go to church because I didn't want to go to church. I don't forgive because I don't think they're sorry. That is sense and reason without, without the Holy Spirit. Yes. So he says, it says, now the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. But I like it in Amplified because it's not all death. See, think about this. When Adam and Eve, he says, if you eat the fruit, you'll surely die. Mm -hmm. He didn't mean that they would physically die. Everything isn't a physical death. That's right. Some things is that you die to your destiny mm -hmm. because you won't obey God. Mm -hmm. So you got this dream that God gave you, but because you won't obey him, you can never get where you're supposed to go. And I like how you said that. You didn't say the dream dies or the destiny dies. You said you die to it. You die to it. Because you don't choose to obey. You die to it. The destiny and the dream is still there. Right. Your destiny is still there. Your purpose is still there. But because you won't bring yourself yeah, into like alignment like with what the Holy Spirit is saying. And the challenge for so many people is that you're trying to get the promises of God without obeying God. You're, you want to do what's easy. You want to do what's comfortable. But the Bible even tells us, Jesus says, you're going to have to pick up your own cross. Not go to the cross. Right. But you're going to have to pick up your cross, which means that there are going to be some things that God is going to ask us to do, and you don't want to do them. There are going to be some times God asks you to forgive. There are going to be some times that God asks you to stay. There are going to be some times God asks you to give. You don't want to do it. But because you live in the spirit where you make yourself and reason subject to the Holy Ghost. Yes. And I hear some of you even thinking, well, Pastor Sean, what if I obey God and it don't work out? Then God is obligated to fix it. But if you don't obey God, then you're obligated to fix it. But when you obey God, you got to make sure you're obeying God with fidelity. I tell people that all the time. You can't, you, you, God can't give you 10 things to do. You do nine, it didn't work out, and you say, well, God failed me. Come no, on. no, 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 no. You have to obey God with fidelity. That means that even when it don't look like it's working, you keep obeying God. Even when it look like you're going under, you keep obeying God. Even when it look like he ain't going to answer, you keep obeying God. Because fidelity says, I do everything that God tells me to do. Why? Because the word of God says that we cannot, we cannot. Not do what God says and be ashamed. And I put my, I put everything on that. We read those scriptures says God is not a man that God cannot, that God can lie. He so lie. if He can't lie, and I do everything God says, it's 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 wrong thinking because we're talking about thinking. It's wrong thinking to even ask the question: What if it don't work out? When has God failed? Never. When was the last time God messed up? When was the last Never. time God didn't come through? When was the last time God had to say, uh-oh, my bad? God always comes through. Always and because God right. always comes through, you can't even allow your mind. See, that's a trick of the enemy to say to you, what if God don't come through? But God said, that, listen, he said, it, it'll cease being daytime and nighttime before my word ever fails. He said, heaven and hell will pass away before my word does. So when God gives you a word and you wake up in the morning and the sun is out, even if you can't see it, if it's daytime and, it, and, and then in that evening it's nighttime, God's word is still working. Amen. It's still working. It's still working. And so you, and this is why you need faith though. 
because there is seed, time, and harvest. Yes. So God gives you a promise. God tells you, I'm going to restore your marriage, right? And there may be some time between the time what you God said to you and what you see shows up. Mm -hmm. And where people get trapped is in the time. In the time. And in the time, because then people go, it don't do no good to keep being nice to him. He still acted ignorant. It don't do no good to keep praying for her. She never satisfied. And that's when they get into the thing where your God gave you eight things to do when you're only doing five, right. saying that it's not working. Right. And that is why you have to decide that the word is first and final authority and commit to the process even when it looks like it's not working because you trust that it's working even if it looks like it's not working commit because you trust God. Commit to the process. Because you, and you commit to the process not because you trust the process. That's right. It's not, it is not me being nice to my husband that is going to change him. No. It is me being obedient to God that positions God to be able to do what he needs to do. And we know God can do it because the Bible says that God can take the heart of a man. We know that he took Pharaoh's heart and turned it this way and turned it that way. God has the ability. I, I say this all the time. God already knows what he's going to do. He already knows. He, he, he already. If we was at church, I'd, I'd have you turn and, and touch somebody name. and touch tell your neighbor. neighbor. God, God already knows what he's going to do. He's waiting on you to be involved in the process. Not because the process does anything for God. It does something for you. It builds up your faith. It builds you up. When, when God gives you a word, you obey, you walk it out. Now the next time something comes, it ain't going to knock you off the kilter. What did David say? David said, well, I done killed a lion. I done killed a bear. I know God going to deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. He wasn't concerned about Goliath. Why? Because he had already had experience with what God would do in his life. That's right. He was literally measuring whether or not he could defeat Goliath based off God's word for what he did against the lion. Yeah, that's good. Now you think about that. Mm -hmm. what, has, what has God already done for you? What has God already delivered you from? What has God already rescued you out of? Well, if he did that, then the next thing he asked you to do or the next dilemma you get into, you ought to be measuring his faithfulness by how faithful he was last time. That's how I know how faithful my wife is because she's been faithful for 23 years. So I don't have to base tomorrow just like I don't know what's going to happen. I can base tomorrow off of 23 years of experience. How much experience do you have with God coming through for you? You got to base what God is telling you to do off that experience. Well, and, and here's the challenge, though, babe, is that if you're carnally minded, you're not building a system of testimony. That's right. That's because right. every time God tells you to do something, you do it whether you based on how you feel. Yeah, yeah. And so you're not getting to see that God is faithful yes. because you're not showing up as faithful. That's right. In fact, David could not have gotten the testimony for the bear or the lion or Goliath had he not learned to be faithful to God. That's right. So if you make a commitment to put the word first and to not walk after your flesh, it will produce some faithfulness to you that will allow you to stick around long enough to see what God is going to do. That's right, because you said it. To be carnally minded is Death. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't mean a natural death. It could mean a natural death. It doesn't always mean a natural death. But to be carnally minded is 
Yeah. And so that's why then in Ephesians wait, chapter wait, 4. Oh, okay, wait, wait. In, 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 in verse 7, it says, that mind, that is because the mind of the flesh, this mind that's oh, the Holy yeah, that's Spirit good. without reasoning, yeah. is as carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile. Hostile oh, I to like God. That. Now you know what it means to be hostile. Now you know what it's like when you hostile to somebody. Some of y'all done been hostile before. You know what it means to be hostile. You get attitude, you get ag, you get you get all in your feelings. You know what it means to be hostile. Somebody speak to you and you like, hey, why are you speaking to me? You know what it means to be hostile. Oh, absolutely. You know what it means to be hostile. And it says that when you have a mind that is carnal, your very mind oh, is, is hostile to God. It means that when God starts to talk to you, you get swole up. What you talking to me about? You get, you get, your mind, when it's carnal, gets mad when God gives it good news. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now think about that. Your mind, when you are, when you are functioning in your carnality, Dude. your mind gets upset with God whenever God is relaying good news. And we know that's all God relays. It's the good news. So even if God is correcting you, it's to get to good news. It's to get you to good. It's to get God's correction is good news. If Absolutely. you're walking, if you're walking into traffic and somebody say, "Yo, stop!" It may seem like they're correcting you, but that's good news if you don't get hit by that tractor trailer. Amen. But you think about this because we know this personally. As God changed our marriage, there will be times that God would say, "Pray," and because we had a carnal mind, I don't want to pray. Yeah. Well, I want to pray for him right now. He need to pray for himself. So it says that when you are carnally minded, yes. you are in hostility to God. My God. And, and here's the challenge, and this is what's so interesting. If you are saved, you may not even know how unrenewed your mind is. Because you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. You've been to vacation Bible school. You've been to Sunday school. You know about 15 Bible stories. And you don't even realize, though, that in your day-to-day -day life, that your mind is hostile to God. Oh because when God is giving you basic instructions for day-to-day -day living, you are rejecting them because you don't want to hear it. My God. My God. So we want to make a decision to obey God. Yes. Amen. Amen. And to let our minds be transformed. Because I want to tell you this. We talked to our kids about this. There is a difference between obedience and compliance. Yes. A lot of believers are compliant. That means you do what God tells you to do. Like when we call the fast. We fasting. I'm giving. I'm coming to church on time. That's not what I'm forgiving her. The, I, the Lord told me to forgive her. That's compliance. That's The blessing isn't in compliance. The blessing is in you bringing yourself into obedience where you literally allow the word to make your heart pliable to God. So that in the beginning when God is talking to you, you may be hostile. But as he begins to minister to you, your heart begins to be softened. And then before you know it, you think about it like God think about it. Yeah. There, there's, a, there's a scripture that says the commandments of God are not grievous to us. Come on. And you have to learn to get your thinking in such a way yeah. that it is a pleasure for you to obey God. Ooh, that's good. Because when she read that scripture in, in Romans 8 and 7, and it talks about your mind, your carnal mind, being hostile to God, it also says that it cannot submit to God. Mm. It says your mind is not only mad, 
but it is it is it is it, it won't submit to God. It, 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 it won't it won't allow itself to even come under subjection to God. <laughs> and so it's, it's 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 amazing when you read that out in the Amplified because it really does it, it, it paints this picture. Uh, at least it does for me. It paints this picture of a, of of, of an unruly child, of a rebellious rambunctious, disobedient child. And you know if you're a parent and you ever have experienced that behavior in a child, you know how it disappoints you. You know how it angers you. The Bible says that our minds, when it functions in its carnality, behaves that same way to the Word of God. Now you know how mad, how frustrated we get People get when you go out and you see a kid that won't obey their parents. Oh, parent. man. When you see a kid and they... It don't even have to be your kid. It's not your kid, but they keep touching stuff and they telling their mama no and stopping, falling down in the ground. And you you know how that just rubs you wrong. It gets you all up here just in all, your chest. It just everything. You be want to put hands on a little kid not and, even your and kid. the parents. That is how we look. That is what hostility to God looks like when God says forgive and you won't forgive. Yes. When God says pray and you won't pray. When God calls you out about something in your life and you won't come into alignment. It looks like that. If, if, if God gives you a commandment and that commandment is grievous to you, you have received that commandment in your carnal mind. Ooh. You have received that yeah. you have received that commandment with a carnal mind because there is no way that God can speak as a spirit being to his spirit which is inside of you and have his spirit reject his own spirit. It, it, it wouldn't make sense. So anytime that God is asking you or telling you to do something and you find yourself fighting against it, it is because you are receiving it with your carnal mind. And if you want to measure everything, if you want to live this faith-filled life, remember principle three says that everything we do, we measure it with the word of God. So if I'm going to obey God, I've got to measure it with the word. And the way I can measure it is when God gives me an instruction, how do I feel about it? When God gives me an instruction, how do I, I feel, I feel about it? My God, my God. Now, I know how I feel when God tells me he's going to bless me. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, so yes. you, receive, you receive that with all your spirit, yes. man. God tell you he want to get you out of debt. God says he want to heal your body. This he want to get married. He, he want to mend relationships. Uh, he, he, you got a new promotion coming. Bonuses coming. Jobs and better jobs. Checks in the mail. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. receive that with, with a spirit of gladness. But God says, I want you to work on your attitude. Well, who is he to tell me about my attitude? See, you receive that with a carnal mindset. And so you have to learn. You have to, you have to do some checks and balances for yourself. Because... A lot of this stuff happens internally mm -hmm. because we've learned how to act the role outwardly. But when God gives us an instruction, we got to check how we're feeling on the inside, right? Because, uh, you know, when you talked about, uh, when you read that scripture, in, uh, I think it was in verse 6 maybe, uh, when, you, when you talked about how um, sense and reason mm -hmm. without the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is where we get vanity from. Come on. That's where we get a vanity of mind. It's where we start to think that as long as we think it's okay, it's okay to do. Come on, but thanks. if you th can you imagine someone using so someone deciding to build your house? You give them a set of house plans, and they say, "Oh, I don't need no plans. I'm just going. I'm just going to build it the way I think it should be." You would you would absolutely wig 
shadowing them and tell them, get off your property. Don't you touch nothing. Don't you bother nothing. These, these are the plans. This is what it's supposed to look like. Well, that's what the word of God is for our life. Plans. It's the plans. It's the plans. This is what our life is supposed to look like. But so many of us, we've thrown the plans away, and we just want to build as we go without any plans. Well, and think about the carnality of our minds. We believe, though, because we're talking about believers. We're not talking about no. We're talking about believers. We're talking about believers. So I have accepted that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Yes. That he was crucified, beaten, bruised, pierced in his side, nailed in his hands, all that stuff that makes us cry during Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. I believe that that is how he feels about me. But when he asks me to do something that's uncomfortable for me, then I want to exercise my free will. Oh, come on now. Now I don't want to. I don't want to be responsible for myself when I got to deal with my sin. Right. Because I want the blood to cover me. Mm -hmm. But when God tells me to do something that is a character issue, I love that you said that. It is a character issue, and we tell our kids all the time: God wants to change your. God doesn't want to change your personality, but He will deal with your character. Yes. He wants your character yes. to look like the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's right. He wants you to be strong in character, and you cannot do that if you are a person who will not allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. And people, people, a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit wants to break you. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to break you. He just simply wants to remove everything that God didn't create you with. That's right. Because God didn't create you with a bad attitude. He, did not. he didn't create you with an anger problem. He didn't create you with low self-esteem. God wants to get rid of everything in your life that keeps you from looking like Christ. Because when you look like Christ, not only are you pleasing to the Father, but there is an authority that you can walk in in this earth that allows you to get the victory every single time. Yes, yes, yes. So, where are you going to? Oh, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's so good because, uh, and it actually fits in exactly where we want to go next. We want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to read verse 17. I might read verse 18. I don't know. But I want to read verse 17 for sure. And I bet this is going to spark something because what, what, what you were just saying is literally what Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus in this particular scripture. So Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 17. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. And I want you to think about this in context of what we were just saying. It says, so this I say, this is Paul writing a letter to the Ephesians and he's talking to them. He says, so this I say, and I solemnly testify in the name of the Lord as in his presence that you must no longer live as a heathen. <laughs> it says, you cannot live as the heathens do in their perverseness. And then he defines that perverseness. He says, in the folly the vanity, what do we say vanity was? That sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. He says, an emptiness of their souls and the futility of their minds. Now notice this. He says, you cannot serve the Lord if your soul is empty. Because if your soul is empty, you're going to start living a carnal kind of lifestyle. Absolutely. And if you live a carnal kind of lifestyle, it goes back to what we just read. You're going to be enmity or you're going to be hostile. I like your word. You're going to be hostile to God. Your mind's not going to submit to the word of God. Why? Because your soul is empty. So how do we fix this? We fix this by looking at principle number one. We love and we focus on the word. You, you see how this keeps coming word. back? These five principles, just, 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 they just rely on one another. 
It says we cannot continue to live in this vanity, in this emptiness of our minds. And then in verse 18, he says, he says he's talking about these heathens. He says their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning is beclouded. Now notice, it's easy to look at this and go, oh man, those heathens, they don't know what they're doing. But if you're not full of the word, you may love God, but your soul is still a heathen. Your, yeah. your soul is still a heathen. You, you, it, your spirit, man, we talked about this the other day. You're three parts. You're a tripartite being. You are spirit. You have a body and you have a soul. Your spirit, man, has been born again, if you're saved, of an incorruptible seed. Your body is one of these days going to go back to the dust from which it came. But your soul, your soul, man, is the part of you that all of us get to know right now. And this scripture literally says that if your soul is empty, you are, you are equal to a heathen, to a person who doesn't know the Lord. Even though you're saved. Because you, you live like you don't know the Lord. You're going to heaven. Yes. But you're living like hell. Yes. You're, we're, not, we're not here to challenge your salvation. Your at all. At all. What we're here to challenge is your soul life that is impacting whether you can experience days of heaven on earth. That's right. And you cannot experience days of heaven on earth when you live and do what the world lives and does. And I know people don't like this teaching because you know they consider this old school teaching. But even Jesus confirmed himself to the word. He said, I only do what I see the mm -hmm. Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. Even Jesus Christ subjected himself to the obedience of the word. And I told our church on Sunday, I said, you know, the Bible says that the sons of God, as many as are led by the spirit of God, are they are the sons, sons of God, God, not the children of, God. children of God. So that word son isn't gender neutral. It's about me. It's not about men or women. It's about maturity. Mm -hmm. He says so literally. It's a position. It is a position. He says so it's just like this. You wouldn't let your three year old drive your car. Right. Why? Because they don't have the maturity. They don't have the mental capacity to do it. Well there is some spiritual capacity that God is looking for. Yeah. Your ability to obey. Your ability to do the tough things. Your ability to be faithful when it's hard to be faithful. And those are the things that categorize you for sonship as opposed to being a child. There are a lot of children of God. There are not a lot of sons of God because sons of God is about maturity. And that's why the Bible says in Hebrews, it says you ought not be on milk all your life. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? It means that you shouldn't always have to be in a service where somebody clapping for you. Yeah. You shouldn't have to always be in a service where somebody rubbing on your back. Sometimes somebody ought to just be to say to you, hey, Sean, you got a bad attitude and it don't look like Christ and you need to straighten it up. Mm -hmm. And you ought to be able to say, I received that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go ahead and fix that thing. Mm -hmm. There's got to be some maturity. Go ahead and just say this. Say we're growing up. Yes. That's what this that word is we, about. We we're are growing, growing up. up. We're growing we're up. We're growing up. Because God needs some people who can do kingdom work. And you can't stay in kingdom work long time if you always offended. Yep. And you're always in your flesh. And you're always distracted by what people doing and what people saying. Absolutely. you got to learn how to let the word be your anchor and stay the course. Well, and that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus yeah. in this scripture we're reading. Because if you read verse 18, he says, their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning has been beclouded. He said they are alienated. Now watch this. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished, self-banished, self-banished from the life of God. 
Now, now, why have they been self-banished from the life of God? It says they have no share in it because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness. Now, notice he says they've been self-banished because of willful blindness. In other words, we, we live in a world, listen, we live in America. Nobody, nobody is being persecuted because you want to go to church. Yeah. Nobody is coming into your homes and arresting you and taking your Bibles. We literally, people walk around with thousand dollar phones in their hands. They have laptops, multiple devices, iPads and everything. And the word of God is free. It is free. You can turn. You, you can go to any uh, website and you can search a single scripture in about twenty different translations at one time. Yep. He says the only reason these people are are, are self banished from the Word of God is because they are willfully blind. It means they don't they don't they don't love God's word. They don't spend time trying to get God's word, and they go after things based on their own understanding, mm -hmm. the vanity of their mind, mm -hmm. their common sense, their reason without the Holy Spirit, their sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. And so he says, he says it's their willful blindness that has that is deep seated in them. No, deep, deep. Now, now hear that deep, deep seated in them. Listen, when something is deep-seated, you don't get it out by reading something contrary to that one time. Come on. If, 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 and I'm not trying to be funny or make a dig at anybody. And, and you're free to believe what you believe, and, and that's fine. But just catch the point here. Don't, don't, don't get offended. But if you believe that the earth is flat, me showing you one picture that the earth is round will not convince you. Come on. Any more than if you believe that the earth is round and someone gives you a reason or a fact to why it would be flat would change your mind. When things are deep-seated, you got to spend time unseating them. Yes. So you can't go to one service, go to one woman thou art loose, get laid hands on you one time, go to one money cometh conference and think all your finances going to change. One black woman build well. One black woman build well. You, you, can't, you can't read just the front of the book and not the back of the book and think it's going to change your life. But listen, the t buying the t-shirt is great. If you don't have one, you need to get one. But you got to do more than just wear an I am worth it t-shirt. You got to do more than that. If something is deep-seated, it has to be unseated with the same kind of veracity and sometimes the same amount of time that it took to get root in it. Yes. And I love this because it says it's deep-seated in mm -hmm. them due, due yes. to the hardness of their heart. To the insensitivity of their moral nature. Yes. Yes. That is, and that is why we keep saying this. The word is not for argumentation. The word is for transformation. Come on now. Say that the again. word is not for argument. We're not studying the word to argue. It's funny. I will argue about anything, but I'm not arguing about the word. Because the word already has a final word. Right. I, I'm not I will debate you about stuff I don't even believe in. I'm just not arguing with you about the word. Because the purpose of the word is to transform my soul. That's right. The purpose of the word is to make me more like God, not for me to get into an intellectual debate with you and pull out my Concordances and prove I know something you don't know. The word, and it says, so when you're not being changed, you must check your heart. Mm -hmm. When you have heard truth 
and you're still rejecting truth, you've got to check your heart. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, check your heart. Check Hashtag your heart. That. Hashtag. You need check to your check heart. your heart. Check your heart. When there are things that God is telling you and you are not allowing them to change you and you're not hearing them and you done got a prophetic word and you done heard a series about it and your mama done called you and told you and your pastor done pulled you aside and told you and the greeter done told you and your boss done told you and a random person you didn't know done told you and you aren't changing it is because of the condition of, of your, your heart. heart and you have to make your heart pliable yes. by putting the word on it yes. god isn't gonna make you pliable you have to make yourself pliable and many times we're waiting on god to do for us what he's given us the power Come to on, do man. for ourselves he's given us his word he's given us his yes. spirit you know one of the ways that we taught we taught ourselves to be givers we taught ourselves to be givers because if we ever were in a situation and one of us felt like we should give and the other one was like, don't give it, we, we taught ourselves yeah. to give. Yeah. We like, we go give it anyway because we believe in the principle of giving. Yes. And what we're going to do is there's a scripture. I don't know if they pulled it up, but it says you can train your senses to obey God. Mm -hmm. I like that. You can train your sense, but you got to put yourself in training. Listen, this is, you think about it. People get new puppies all the time. Mm-hmm. Christmas is one of the biggest times for people to get new puppies. Most of those new puppies are not in the home by March. Mm -hmm. And they are not in the home by March because even though the puppy is cute, there was no plan to train. Come on now. And so now you get a puppy when it's cold and, and you didn't spend the money to get it trained. And now the puppy doing what puppies do. Puppies pee. Mm -hmm. Especially when you don't take them out. When you don't walk them. Now the puppy chewed up your favorite shoe. It peed on the floor. It left poop behind the couch. And then people get rid of the puppy. Yeah. They blame the puppy. It ain't the puppy it's fault. not the puppy's fault. It is the fact that they did not train the you're dog. Right, you're right. There are some things that you're blaming life for. It's not life's fault. It's that you haven't trained yourself to obey God. That's good. That's good. It's not life's fault. It's not even the devil's fault. You simply have not trained yourself mm -hmm. to obey mm -hmm. God. And do you know how you train yourself to obey God? By obeying God. Yep. You don't train Practice. yourself to obey God by talking about it. Nope. You don't train yourself to obey God nope. by telling other people. Nope. You train yourself to obey. You know how you train yourself to forgive? Forgive. You know how you train yourself to give? You practice giving. You know how you train yourself to fast? You practice fast. You train yourself to do the kingdom things by doing them. Yep. You can train yourself to obey God. I love that. You can train yourself to obey God. You know, literally, uh, Pastor Sean, that is that is that is that is something that we have we you have to see yourself as being obedient. Before you ever actually start Come being on. obedient. Come on. You know, a person who uh, who doesn't smoke cigarettes never calls themselves a smoker. Come on. And people who are serious about quitting smoking don't keep calling themselves a smoker. Come on. And so uh, if you if, if you you got to get to the place where it doesn't matter what you did on Sunday. If, if, if you are a giver, you got to say, you know what, I'm a giver. If, if, if you're a forgiver, you have to say, you know what? I forgive. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if you're a person who says, I obey God, it doesn't matter that you didn't obey God today. You have to say, I obey God. You have to start confessing what it is that you are before you're ever going to become it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, that, it's that scripture that says, for as a man thinketh in, in his, his heart, heart so is he. Or, or one translation says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. You, you become 
externally what you become internally first. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, uh, you, 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 people don't, most of the time, people don't get married and fall in love. They fall in love and then get married. It follows a progression. Something happens in the heart first. And so the same thing is true with the word of God. Something's got to happen in your heart first. You got to make the decision that you're going to be a giver. You got to make the decision that you're going to obey. You got to make a decision that you love the word. You have to make a decision. You're not going to allow your senses to, to, to dictate your life. You got to say, I walk by faith. Even when you're even when you're shaking in your boots by what you see, you have to learn to say the right thing. Am I right about it? You're right about it. And I was thinking about this because you was talking about being in love with me. So I thought this was a great point to add this right here. I am. I am definitely in love yeah. with you. Is that, um, is that, you said your heart goes first and then you get married, mm -hmm. right? In most cases, In most right? cases. But I got your heart because you spent time with uh -huh. me. And the reason that God can't get your heart is if you don't spend time with mm -hmm. me. If you don't spend time he's with a God, to you. You, he's a stranger to you. Right. And most people don't get their hearts to strangers. They certainly don't fall in love with strangers. They certainly don't fall in love with strangers. So we fell in love, and people even talk about how quickly we fell in love, because we got married six months and 13 days from the time we met. Mm -hmm. But some of it was is that even though we lived in dis different cities, we spent so much time talking. I mean, you would call me all hours of the night. I mean, just fall asleep on the phone. Right. You wouldn't let me go. And, and because of that, we fell in love and with. Because of that, we fell in That's love. That's right. And I was calling you, but you was driving up. You're right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so I want to go to this scripture right quick. Um, Hebrews 5 and 14. Because I told you that the Bible says that you can train your senses. So let's look at Hebrews 5 and 14. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. It says, solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Do you have it in the Amplified? I got it in the Amplified. Come on. It says, but solid food is for grown folk <laughs> or for grown men. It says, for those whose senses and mental faculties are trained. Watch this. What do we say? By practice. Come Their on. mental faculties have been trained by practice. To do what? To discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or even human law. He says you only get good at doing what's right because you practice doing do what's, what's right. right. I mean, that didn't get much planet. If you That's Hebrews you 5, that 14. Hebrews 5.14, it says solid food. When it says solid food, he's really talking about this idea of the word of God. As Sean said earlier, you can't be on milk all your life. You know, at some point, you want to wean the baby off of milk and onto solid food. It says, so solid food is for grown men. And he didn't just mean men and gender. He meant adults. It's for people who are mature in the word. It says, but solid food is for grown men. For those whose senses, now watch this, their senses and their mental faculties are trained by practice to discriminate and distinguish between what is morally good and noble and what is evil and contrary either to divine or human law. Come on. I mean, he, he says it so plainly. He says, listen, he says, you got to get, remember we talked about not being led by your senses? 
That's, we didn't say you couldn't have senses, right? We said you can't be led by them. So if I'm not going to be led by them, how do I train my senses? By practicing putting them in subjection. Yeah, that's good. You let me get, Let's use an example here because you know people always remember the example. Okay. We have a group call from the inbox because so many people ask us for advice. Yeah. And one of the questions that we, that we, we get a lot of questions about what people should do about their marriage. Mm -hmm. And... There are situations that literally look like people should break up. Yep. But in our life, we've just learned that you ask people, what did God say? Mm -hmm. What did God say? Because remember, faith begins where the will of God is known. So people can seem like they are in the exact same situation. And God tells one woman to stay and he tells one woman to leave. Well, if the woman that he told to stay leaves. She's out of the will of God. Mm -hmm. But if the woman he tells to leave stays, she's out of the will of God. But he says you can train your senses to know what the will of God is by practicing hearing by what God says. That is the reason that when people come to us, even our kids, Mom, can we go to this party? What did God say? Everybody who goes to Fellowship of Champion who's ever met us in any situation where there's ever been a question about anything knows that the first thing that's going to come out of our mouth is... What, what did, did God, God say? say? Why? Because number one, I want to know if you know what God said because I can't fight against God. And if God told you to go and stay, you better obey God because he knows some stuff I don't know. Regardless of what we say. Right. You better, obey, you better God. obey God. But the challenge for a lot of people is that they've never spent enough time to even know what God is saying about a situation. So then what they're left with is what the Bible says or what someone tells them that the Bible says mm -hmm. without full context. That's right. It's the reason reason that we've seen so many women get beat to death by their husbands mm -hmm. because even though the Holy Spirit was telling them to get out, somebody was telling them to stay. That's right. you got to be able to hear God for yourself. That's right. And he says, and the only way you go get good at hearing God is the same way we were at church on Sunday and somebody's kid fell and got hurt and the parents moved immediately. immediately. Why? Because they recognized their child's cry. Yes. You're, a, a kid can say, mama, and only one mama turn around. Yep. Why? Because you can train yourself to hear a voice. You can train yourself to hear what God is saying to you. That's what he says. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to read that one part again. He says, whose senses and mental faculties are trained by practice. By tr are trained by practice. You train your, your, your senses and your mental faculties. You know, uh, the, the, we, we, we talked about this last week, how so many times uh, when something happens... Jesus would turn to somebody and he would say to them, fear, fear not. And, and the reason he was doing that is because, number one, he didn't want fear to creep into the life, but he was helping them to train their senses and their mental faculties. You cannot be a person of faith and fall apart every time something doesn't go your way. You cannot be a person of faith. And every time tragedy comes, you, while you're supposed to be supporting somebody else, you over there in a the corner balled up crying, talking about you don't know what you're going to do. If you are a person of faith, you got to learn to train your senses and your mental faculties so that when all hell is breaking loose around you, you don't lose your mind. Can I add this? Yes. If you are a person of faith, you can't always give people your opinion. 
Because sometimes my opinion varies different from God. I wasn't going to say you should you should never give anybody your opinion. You should give them what the word says. Yes. Now it may be that what the word says goes along with your opinion because you have spent time developing your opinions to align with the word of God. Yes. But just giving somebody off the cuff some advice or what you would do if you was in that situation, that's not a good thing to do. That's why we talk about measuring. Remember principle three here is measuring everything based on the word of God. By the word of God. Word and that God. means that sometimes when somebody asks us for advice, we got to say, hold on. Let me pray about that. I'm going to put this in. This, this scripture is so good. I'm going to put this in the group. Let me pray about that. So then if you, in Proverbs 23 and 7, it says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm -hmm. So if my heart is carnal, I'm going to think carnal thought. That's all you can do. And listen, carnality ain't just about who you sleeping with. Come on. And whether you drinking and whether you cussing, if you are not obeying God in an area of your life, that is carnality. Yes. If you are not, and the thing about it is, is that you can be obe in obedience in one area of your life and be in disobedience in another area. That's just right. like you can be making an A in English and fail in Spanish. That's right. <laughs> and so you can be doing good in one area and not good in another area. And that's why you can and, and that's why comparison is so dangerous. Yes. Because a lot of times what we want to do is we want to compare ourselves. Let me help you, Saints. Our standard is not other people. That's right. Our standard is never other people. Right. Our standard is Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's what would Jesus do? It is not that my pastor had 13 affairs. It is not that my first lady is mean as a rattlesnake. It is not that the elders and the deacons don't speak to nobody. It is what would God have me to do? Yes, we're going back old school. W W J J D. What, what would Jesus, Jesus do? do? What would Jesus do? Now, if you look at Proverbs 3, Proverbs 3, verse 1 and 2 and 5 and 6. Yeah, I like that. It says, my son yes. and daughter, yep. forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Come on. Let, I what? love this. It says, "If let your heart keep the commandments. Because your body can keep doing something that your heart is not connected to mm -hmm. anymore. But he's telling him, he says, son, keep your heart attached to me. Mm -hmm. Keep your heart attached to the word. And he says, why should you do this? It says, because if you keep your heart attached to the word, it says it will add length of days, long life. And peace to you. Mm -hmm. So I keep my heart attached to the word. Because there's some benefits to it. It is going to add length to my days. It's going to make sure that I live. It's going to make sure that I have a long life. And it's going to make sure that I have peace. And that word peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. Mm -hmm. He says when you become a person who is committed to obeying the word, you will be a person who is at peace even when life is crazy. I love it. Just like when Jesus was on that ship sleep and everybody else yep. was freaking out. Jesus was not freaking out because Jesus already knew he had a word to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. So Jesus did not trip. So when God is giving you a word that this is your year of victory, you are not going to be tripping because it looks like defeat when you have put the word in first place because it is going to keep your heart in peace. Hashtag and do not trip. Hashtag do not trip. Go um, ahead and tell your neighbor do not trip. Do, do not, not trip. trip. Oh do my goodness. Trip. Do not it's trip. 917. Do not trip. And then he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I have to say to my kids sometimes, you don't know as much as you think you know. You're right. You don't know near as much as you think you know. 
believers, we don't know near as much as we think we know. The more I read about the word, the more I know I don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know near as much as we think we know. He says, keep your heart attached to the word and trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. There are some times in your life where it doesn't make sense to do something a certain way, but God will tell you to do it. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, there will be times that God will tell you to be a blessing to somebody who may have talked about you. Mm -hmm. It don't make sense to bless people who've talked about you, but it does make kingdom. Yeah. It makes kingdom to bless people who mm -hmm. have talked about you. That's right. It doesn't make sense to forgive people who are out trying to I slander like you it and makes, make you look bad. It makes it, it makes it didn't make sense, but it makes kingdom. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, but it makes kingdom to be a blessing to people who don't deserve you being a blessing to I them. Love it. I love and so he says. Lean not to your own understanding. And in verse 6 he says, And in all of our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. We got to grow up from this place where our acknowledgement of God is in church. Yeah. So in church we go, ooh, the Holy Spirit is here. Well, the Holy Spirit is everywhere because you carry him on the inside of you. So the same way that you can recognize the Holy Spirit in service, right. you got to recognize the Holy Spirit when you're in traffic. And he said, let that car in front of you. You're right. You gotta let you gotta let, let the holy you gotta recognize the Holy Spirit when He tell you to pay for that lady's drink behind you. You gotta be able to hear the Holy Spirit other than when you are in church. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He should direct your path. That's right. That's right. And our path, our, our path, and I like He says paths. That means God's gonna always be speaking. Yes. You know, one thing that we talked about. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I want to just mention it again, is if you're one of those people who say you don't hear God, I encourage you to just begin to read his word and then to listen. Because God is always speaking. God is always talking. He always has been and he always will. You just got to tune into the right frequency. It's, it's literally what Solomon uh, says in Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, uh, he says this. He says, hear ye children the instruction of a father. I love that. He says, in other words, as children or as sons of God, we should be hearing the instruction of our heavenly father. Mm -hmm. He says, so hear ye children the instruction of a father. He says, and attend to no understanding. Now, I like when he says attend to no understanding because what that means to me is if I hear something one time and I don't get it, I don't just stop. Yeah. You know, it's like being in the class and we've told our kids before, if you're in class and, and, and you don't understand something, you don't just let the teacher keep going. You, you, you raise your hand. You say, hey, excuse me, I didn't understand that. Or can you explain that again? Or after class, can you show me what you mean? You have to attend to no understanding. That's why we tell people all the time, don't come to church without a Bible. Now, we don't care whether it's a hard copy, an electronic copy, but bring your Bible to church. You wouldn't drive your car without your keys. So bring your Bible to church. If you don't have one, get one that you can read and understand. You have to attend to know understanding. He says, for I give you good doctrine. It says, forsake ye not my law. In other words, do not get to this place where we are forgetting the things that we're supposed to do. It's why we say don't despise repetitive teaching. Don't despise it. Because we want to remember the things we're supposed to do. It says, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words. That's our prayer for you. We want your heart to, to be so pliable that you will retain God's word. Even in difficult situations. 
You know, we're all human. Uh, and if you grew up uh, in the same era that we grew up in, a lot of us grew up uh, with gangster rap. And as a result of gangster rap, some of us got some hard edges to us sometimes. And if you come at us the wrong way, even though we love God, even though we honor and worship him, that carnal man tries to rise up sometimes. And so what we have to learn to do is get to the place where even when anger comes, the Bible says, be angry, but what? Sin not. So even if we get angry, our hearts got to retain God's word so we don't end up sinning even in our anger. Amen. 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 And then he says, he says, uh, it says, keep my commandments and live. I love that. Keep my commandments and live. The Bible tells us that if we keep God's commandments, it will add length of days to our life. I think yes. did you just read that. Mm -hmm. It says it says it'll add length of days to our life by just obeying God. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Now remember, this is Solomon. Uh, he, he he's 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 teaching this because he wants to make sure that, 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 that the people who come after him don't forget this how important this instruction is. He says, forsake her not, talking about wisdom. It says, and she, talking about wisdom, shall preserve thee. Love her, love wisdom, and she shall keep thee. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, do what? Get an understanding. Get an understanding. Why do you need that understanding? Because you can't measure something if you don't have an understanding. If I said to one of my kids, hey, I want you to go pour me a liter of water, they might not have a clue what a liter of water is because we don't practice using the metric system. Now, if I told them to go pour me a gallon of water, they could probably do that because they're familiar with how much a gallon is. So you've got to become familiar with the measuring tool. Remember at the very beginning we asked you to draw that straight line on that piece of paper? And then we asked you to draw a straight line using a ruler? And we told you that that straight line with the ruler was going to be far straighter than the one without? you got to learn to live your life with the ruler. The ruler is the Word of God. And if you learn to live your life based on that ruler, things are going to be far better for you, far straighter for you, in line with the kingdom, and produce results a lot faster for you. Amen. I think that this is just so important. And um, I'm just thinking about this scripture, right? Well, I was thinking about how important it is for us to transform our thinking mm -hmm. and to our, allow our thinking to be transformed. Even how we parent is different because of the word. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because of how we parent is different because of the word. And so as we wrap up, I just want to talk to you a little bit even about how you parent and if the way you parent is reflecting who God is. Amen. And I was thinking about it because there'll be scenarios and kids will mess up. We had a scenario today where somebody, there was a situation, a kid, if a kid breaks something and people will go, well, I ain't going to buy them nothing else because they broke this, right? And then people don't even, you think you're teaching your kids to be good stewards or to be responsible. Right. But actually what you're teaching them is that God is a hard taskmaster. Mm -hmm. Because in your life you've never messed up and God didn't come help you. That's right. You've never been in need and God didn't come help you. That's God right. always comes through for you. So sometimes even the things that we think that we are trying to teach our kids how to be godly mm -hmm. is actually built in some kind of scarcity. It's built on yeah. some kind of fear thing. Yeah. It's built in not helping them understand their identity. 
The Bible says that our children are like arrows who should be shot yes, into their we should, destiny. We should, we should release them destiny. into their destiny. But then if we're not taking the time to pray over our kids, even when we see bad behavior in them, asking the Lord to show us what this behavior means, how to really parent them. We have five kids. And what we've learned is that you can't parent all your kids the same. Because they're not all the same. They're even not. though they live in the same house, they got the same last names, they, 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 they spend a lot of time together, they are they are individual for us, five individual kids. And I like what you said about the parenting piece because we even ought to measure how we parent based on how God parents us. Come on now. A lot of times we want to parent our kids the way we were parenting. But ask yourself, was the way you're parented, did it teach you the love of God? And was it based on, 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 a, on a godly model? Or was it rooted in fear? Mm -hmm. Was it rooted in anger? Mm -hmm. Was it rooted in all of these different things? And so, you know, we want to make sure. So there have been times that maybe somebody thought that one of our kids should get a spanking. But the Holy Spirit said, don't spank them. Yeah, he doesn't spank them a lot of times. Right, he'd be like, don't spank them. I want you to talk to them. <laughs> That, that's not what I want you to do for them. And then in those times, we sit them down and we say, hey, we were going to spank you. But the Holy Spirit told us not to spank you. That's favor of God on your life. That's mercy. That's his willingness to get involved. He told us to do this on the end and to do this for you instead. And so I want to ask you, when you are parenting your children, when you're dealing with your spouse, do you remember that your spouse also belongs to the Lord? That's do good. you remember that That's how good. you speak to your spouse is an indication? It gets a chance to reveal heaven. It gets a chance or it gets a chance to reveal hell. It gets a chance to reveal, reveal the soul realm. Right. Or it gets a chance to reveal the spirit reign. Right. And so if you're going to live your best life, if you're going to live a faith-filled life, then you cannot allow your senses to lead you in your relationships with people. You're right. Are you allowing your relationships? Are there times that you are disciplining your kids and you're too hard on them? Are there times when you should be firmer with them, but you're not being firm with them? Because yes, God is love, but God is also correction. And I was thinking about this story one time um, that my spiritual mother told me me that absolutely changed my life and she had told me this story about how she was um believing god for some money because she wanted to buy her husband something and when she got she got the money and when she got to the store she bought something else with the money besides what she was going to the store to get and then she was saying so she just asked god and you didn't use the money for what you were supposed to use the money on, why are you asking God for money again? And she said to me, well, who else would I ask if I had a need? And it helped me understand that what I understood about the love of God was not who the love, what, who God really was. Because I really had this understanding that if I messed up, that it was up to me to fix it. Yeah, a lot of people do. The reality of it is, is we live like that because that is how we were parented. Yes. Uh, if you were parented in that manner, then then that becomes normal. Remember we talked about deep-seated? Yes. Things like that get deep-seated because they are things that are intrinsically taught to us from a very young age. So from a very young age, we understand that if you mess up, you got to drop back to zero and work your way back to where you were before you ever messed up, let alone going above. Yeah. But God doesn't parent us like that. God parents us that when we mess up and we do that thing called repenting, and that doesn't mean laying on the ground and saying, God, I'm so sorry, I'm never going to do it again. Literally, that word repent means when we make a decision to change. 
when we make a decision to change, God sets us right back where we were. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, but she said something to me that was so profound. She said to me, she said, let's say that you're right and I sinned by spending the money. Mm -hmm. She said, let's say you're right and I sinned. She said, the Bible says that God separates our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. So God doesn't remember anymore because he wants to be good to me. So how many times do our kids mess up? They say they're sorry. We say we've forgiven them. But the next time they do something, we bring up the thing that they did before. You're right. How many times does somebody that we love, our husband, our mother, our family member, they mess up. And then when they repent and then they forget, and then we say we've forgiven them, but we keeping a tab in our mind of all the times that they've been in this situation. And here we are again and we're keeping count. Well, first Corinthians 13 says that love keeps no record no of right record. and wrong. No record. And the thing is, is that because we are afraid of being injured, we are afraid of looking like a fool, we are afraid of being taken advantage of, Mm -hmm. that sometimes we have a carnal mindset in those things instead of allowing love to be the thing that rules in us because we feel like that we have to preserve ourselves. Absolutely. And, and, And she said to me, she said, the problem is this stuff, this sticks with me, and this is how I try to parent my kids. She said, if you mess up money, God doesn't teach you to manage money by keeping you without money. That's right. The only way to learn to manage money is to actually have money. Mm -hmm. She says, so you think that if you mess up, God doesn't want to help you financially until you prove that you're worthy of help. But God wants to help you so you won't be in the same situation next time. That's right. And that is how we need to parent our kids because if we don't parent our kids that way, can your kids come to you in trouble? That's good. Can your spouse come to you in trouble? Could your spouse tell you that they had a porn addiction? Could your spouse tell you that they were thinking about cheating, that they were struggling with depression? Could your sister tell you that she was going through? Or are we keeping the records of what people have done so that people can't come to us and let us love them through their their challenges? Because if we're going to do life with people, guys, people mess up. Yeah, they do. People mess up. Our our kids are going to mess up. We can't hold that over them. We have to pray about how we should parent them, how we should discipline them, when we discipline them, when we correct them, when we show love to them, even when it looks like that they don't don't deserve it. And when we parent with this tough hand and when we've been parented with this tough hand, we believe that that's who God is and we teach people that that's who God is. Mm -hmm. That's That's right. But when we were yet sinners... Jesus didn't sit on the cross and point out all our sin, guys. When we were yet sinners, he was reconciling us to him. It's what happened when the prodigal son finally came home. When the prodigal son finally came home, his father didn't meet him and give him a lecture about all the stuff that he had done wrong. He was like, this is my son. He's home. Let's love on him. And I think that this is so important because in my personal opinion, the best chance that you're going to get to see about whether you measure everything with the word is how you treat the people closest to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's how you treat. We, we'll do pretty good with the people we go to church with as long as they don't vex us too much. We're not going to act too big a fool at, job, at our job because we need to get that yeah. paycheck. But if we really want to see if we're measuring things by the word, let's pay attention to how we treat the people we do 
life with. That's good. How do we treat the people we do life with? The people that are closest to us. And that is so true uh, with husband and wife, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we've been guilty of that in, in years mm -hmm. past where we talk to each other in a way we would never talk to somebody else. Right. And so it's important that, that, that you do listen to that and understand that that's how you're going to judge. You want to know whether or not you're making progress. You want to know whether you're getting better. You want to know whether or not you're doing uh, what we're talking about here. Because hopefully you're not just on this broadcast on a Wednesday night because you ain't got anything else better to do. Ho I mean, hopefully, especially those of you on the East Coast, you are here because you actually want to hear what it means to live a faith-filled life, and then you want to put that thing into practice. And so uh, I don't know what else Bashan has or she has anything else, but I think that's a really good point uh, to maybe even end on tonight is to think about, okay, if I'm going to live the faith-filled life, if I'm going to be measuring my behavior and my actions based on God's word, how am I acting with the people closest to me? Amen. And I see a lot of tears coming across here, guys. You don't have to be sad. You can just say this is an opportunity for me to mature in the word. I haven't always talked to Elwin like I talk to him now. I'm having to learn. You have to learn not to do it when you're tired, not to do it when you're hungry, mm -hmm. not to do it when you're stressed out. To remember this, you if, if you always have a parent at the best, if you've been short, if you be going off and all of that stuff, you can sit your kids down and say, you know what, I'm committed to being a better parent because that is how I, because how we, the Bible says, he says, love the Lord your God mm -hmm. and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yes. How am I acting with those closest to mm -hmm. me? Because so many times we don't realize, but we run our kids away from the kingdom because we live separate lives. Yeah. yeah. Because who we are at church isn't who we are at home. Right. Who we are when we're with our kids in the morning when they're running late and when we're with them in the evening, there's a lot of homework to be done and everybody's tired and cranky. That is when it's our opportunity to say, are my five senses leading me? Mm -hmm. Is my flesh realm leading me? Or am I measuring things by the word? Do I even think about the fact that these kids also belong to the Lord? Because that's your first ministry. Your yes. first ministry is what happens in the home. That's your, yes. that's your first ministry. Uh, and if you can't um, be a light there, you're really not ever going to be a true light anywhere else. Yes, because what's going to happen is, and we see it so many times, is that if you live a separate life, if you say sanctified and pleasant at church, and then you raggedy and cussing and acting a fool when you at home, that impacts how your kids see God and how they see church. Yeah. And we talk about millennials not leaving the kingdom. We want to make sure that we make the kingdom a place that our kids find attractive. That we have the kind of marriages that make them say, I want to get married and do it God's way. Mm -hmm. I want to go to church. I want to serve. I want to be on the praise team. I want to be a greeter. Because they're seeing us not just talk this talk, not just preach this, but actually live this. That's right. And I do think that that's such a good place. Because, so my challenge to you this week. Is to measure your life. This word that you have in your heart. Four weeks of it now. This word. Measure it in how you treat the people you say you love. That's right. That's right. Practice makes perfect. Just because you blow it one time. You don't stop. Just because in a basketball game. A basketball practice. If somebody misses a free throw. It's just indication they need to shoot another one. If you mess up. It's just indication you need to try again. 
Do not give up. Do not cave in. Do not quit. Measure how you are doing because remember, whatever you measure gets results. Whatever you pay attention to is the thing that gets magnified. So if you pay attention to it, it'll become magnified in your life. You'll be able to see it a lot easier. And then you'll be able to uh, change and adapt to what you need to do to make it be the way it's supposed to be. So this week, we're praying for you. And we're asking you, check how you are, check all your actions. Mm -hmm. But but an easy way to do it is how you interact and do the things with the people that are closest to you. But measure, measure all your decisions. You know, whether it's at work, whether it's with family, whether it's with your kids, with your spouse, whatever it is, measure what you're about to do based on the word of God. What you're about to do, what you're about to say. Mm -hmm. And so everybody, you know, if you want to um, if you want to give for some of you, this is your Wednesday night service. You can go to push, pay and give. But as we're wrapping up, we're getting ready to pray. I just want to know if you're willing to challenge yourself in that way. Go in there and raise your hand, put up a hand signal or say a I'm heart in or a heart or something in the, in the comment line that you're going to challenge yourself this week to make sure that you are measuring your interactions with those closest to you about the word. According to the word, who's in? I'm in. Yep. I am going to do everything can that I can. I'm, I'm hashtagging. I'm in. I'm in. I am going to do everything I can to make sure that I treat you, my children, the people I come in contact with in a way that reflects that I don't just hear the word, but I do the word. Who else is in? Let's see who's in yep. here. And while, while you're hashtagging I'm in, I promised this week that I would slow down a little bit. I had two or three people at least uh, who sent me messages saying, hey, I want to be a blessing to you and to Pastor Sean and to your ministry. Can you please tell me how to do that? How do I give? So I promised that, you know, we, we just love the word so much. Sometimes we don't slow down to give out information like that. So while you're hashtagging I'm in, I hope everybody on here is in. I hope you're going to be in this week uh, and the weeks to come uh, with, with, with measuring how you uh, are, are, are behaving based on the word. But I want to just say, if you if you want to give, if, there, if you want to sow into the ministry, uh, we, we would love for you to do that. We receive your, your gift uh, even before you give it. But you can do that by going to our website. That's probably the easiest way. Just go to www.focchurch, that's Fellowship of Champions, focchurch.com. When you go there, there's a link that allows you to give. Just click the Give button and follow the instruction. Uh, it'll go directly to that account. Uh, we'll appreciate you. We pray for your blessing. Whether you give or not, we're praying for you. Uh, but those of you that want to be a blessing, uh, you certainly can do that. We thank you for it in advance. Uh, we believe that we believe that we're good ground, uh, and we believe that when you sow into uh, what God has called us to do, uh, that there's a harvest that comes back to you. And so I promised this week that I would slow down and do that. So those of you that didn't get the information last week, if you're on here, hopefully that was slow enough. Uh, that's a little uncomfortable for us sometimes just because we, we don't do this for a gift. Uh, but we certainly understand the honor that goes along with sowing into someone who has been a blessing. We do it, uh, and uh, we certainly want to give you the opportunity to do it if you so desire. So, yes, hashtag I'm in. Listen, you have been... I put the link in the comments. Uh, Pastor Sean says you put the link in the comments. Listen, if you've been blessed tonight, why don't you go ahead and just give us like two or three hearts real quick. Everybody who's been blessed tonight, give us two or three hearts real quick. Uh, we're going to let you go. You guys hung in there. It is 9. 
40. <laughs> uh, this word is just so, it's just so good, you know, uh, and, and, and you guys just draw uh, on us. Uh, we're reading your comments. And when, I'm when I'm saying something, she's reading. When she's saying something, I'm reading. Uh, and you guys make such great points. I like This is what I like about Facebook Live. It's almost like you guys will say something that will just give us another uh, avenue or another venue to, to talk about and solidify. And so this, to me, really is what the Bible talks about when it talks about iron sharpening iron. Because you may not read, may not realize it, but we go back and read these comments too. It helps us to build what we're going to say uh, in the weeks to come. So uh, don't forget, there's five principles. Uh, we've already talked about three of them. Uh, the first one says you got to focus on the Word. If you're going to live a faith-filled life, you got to focus and love the Word. Number two says you can't be controlled by your senses. Mm -hmm. Number three says that um, you have to measure your life based on the Word. Number four says if you're going to live the faith-filled life, you got to be a person who takes action. Mm -hmm. And I love, Pastor Sean's going to tear that one up next week, <laughs> talking about taking action. Because that, that goes along with what she talks about a lot in Black Women Build Well, that if you're going to change your life, you got to take some action. And then the fifth one says that if you're going to live a faith-filled life, you have to understand covenant. And I'm really looking forward to that one because I don't think in America we understand covenant to the degree that we should. Uh, if, if we do, uh, we wouldn't have a problem linking up with people uh, who don't have the same abilities that we do. That's right. Uh, because with covenant, you don't just link up with folk like you. You link up with people who can cover the areas uh, that you don't have. And so those are those five uh, principles. Uh, we want you to, to get them. We want you to come back next week and join us. We just love you guys, and we appreciate you tuning in and being with us. God bless you guys. We're going to pray, and then we're going to let you go. And after we pray, we're going to wait about 11 seconds, and then we'll cut the video off because after that, you'll get the very last thing that we say. All right. You want to pray now? Sure. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for everyone uh, in Facebook land who is watching tonight. Anybody who's going to watch this broadcast in the future, we ask that you would bless them without measure, that you would cause their life to be abundantly supplied with everything that they need. We are declaring, Father, based on your word, that this is a year filled with hope and promise. This is the year of great victory. And as a year of great victory, we thank you that you are showing us how to love your word. You're teaching us how not to be controlled by our emotions. And on tonight, we thank you for the word you allowed us to hear, Father, that taught us about measuring what we hear, do, see, obey, everything based on your word. Now this week, Lord, help us to be mindful of how we interact with those closest to us and let that be our measuring rod for the things that you want to do. We give you free reign, Father. Uh, Holy Spirit, we give you free reign uh, to speak to us about the things that we need to change. And we thank you and we give you honor and praise. And until we return uh, to this destination next Wednesday, we ask you to bless everybody. Keep them free from hurt, harm, or danger, out of police trouble, uh, no fire trouble, no water damage, no, no, no anything that shall by any means harm them. We thank you that you are a keeper and that you will keep us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good night, guys. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. Invite a friend.